So a few weeks ago, I go with uh, my wife's aunt and uncle to their uh, Catholic church in Chicago, experience a Catholic mass. Now, I'd been to mass before, and uh, but you know, one of the things we're talking about here at Great Oaks is that we have a lot of people from the Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist background that walk out of our services going, what just happened? And uh, so I got done with the Mass, and it had been a long time, like I said, and I, I said to my aunt and uncle, I'm like, now I know why people look like that when they come out of Great Oaks. And they're like, well, what do you mean? What's so different about Great Oaks than what we just experienced here? And I'm like, oh, you, you, I don't even know where to start. Like, you just, yeah. Ladies, great job. Give me a round of applause again. <clears throat> So even though, even though I'm a, a wilderness guy, you know, I forgot my water. Can one of the students over there, can you guys grab my water for me? Just like bring it up, toss it up. Thanks. Thank you. Sorry. Throw it. There you go. Thanks. <clears throat> so even though I'm a wilderness guy, I love being outside. Um, I am not a hunter. All right. My, uh, my dad didn't like guns when I was a kid. So um, we didn't own, I had a BB gun. That was about it. Um, I, I don't hunt. I've thought about it. Um, a couple of years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, you know, it'd be interesting to go try and, and go turkey hunting. And he looked at me, and he said, Chris, you could never be a turkey hunter. And I'm like, I, I was kind of offended. I'm like, what do you mean, why not? He goes, you have to sit still and be quiet, two things you cannot do. <clears throat> so I've never gone turkey hunting. Um, so this is not my bow. And uh, Greg Edwards, a uh, good friend of mine, helped me get the target and the bow and all this. And uh, I, I asked him this morning, I'm like, why couldn't I have your bow? Um, and he said, am I even holding this thing right? There we go. And uh, he's like, Chris, you're not man enough to pull my bow. And I was like, wow. So I got the purple bow because um, that's a little bit easier to pull. But, you know, I did like archery. When I was in, in Boy Scouts, um, you know, I, I've, I've always been uneasy around guns, uh, but I've always loved bows and arrows. And I've always, I, I feel like I've, I've been pretty good at bow and arrow and uh, have done rather well with that. So I've always loved archery. I've always loved shooting for the bullseye. And just that, that sense of, of joy and excitement you get when you hit that bullseye dead center. And uh, just you've accomplished something significant. Um, 2004, Summer Olympics, a guy by the name of Matthew Emmons. Um, he's, uh, I believe we have a picture here, yeah. <clears throat> so I didn't know it took all this to shoot a gun, all right? Um, but he is like medal-winning uh, champion around the world in rifle shooting. And uh, he was in the 2004 Olympics uh, competing for a gold medal. In fact, pretty much had the gold medal clinched. All he had to do was get one final shot just even near the bullseye. It didn't even have to be a bullseye. He just had to get it close. And he'd already gotten several bullseyes in this competition. So he steadies himself, takes a deep breath, fires, hits a bullseye. Perfect. Won the gold medal. Except the buzzer never went off to indicate that he hit a bullseye. And so he turns to the judge, this next picture, and he's like, hey, what's, what's going on? The buzzer didn't go off. And he knows that occasionally, very rarely, that will happen. Sometimes you hit a bullseye, and it doesn't go off. And the judge walked over to him, and he said, you shot the wrong target. It wasn't yours. Perfect bullseye, wrong target. This is what he looked like after that. He went from first to eighth in one shot because he aimed at the wrong target. As we talk about God's cause zone for your life, 
uh, what we're talking about is hitting the right target. And the reality is that most of the decisions that we make in a normal day are small and insignificant. And if we hit the wrong target with it, it doesn't really matter. You know, did I put on the right shirt this morning? What difference does that make in the grand scheme of things and for the purpose of God's, God's purpose in my life? Did I buy the right car? Who cares? God's going, I don't care. That has nothing significant for the purpose of your life. Most of the decisions we make are, are fairly inconsequential. And if we, if we hit the wrong target, it's not a big deal. But the problem is most of us are going through life without ever aiming at anything. We never aim at anything significant. We never try to find God's cause for a life. Uh, we just randomly pull back the bow of our lives and we shoot wherever willy-nilly. We're kind of like Charlie Brown. Do you remember that Charlie Brown cartoon um, where he, he's, he's one day out back and he's got a bow and arrow and he's, he's, he's pulling back and he's shooting at the fence. And he, he, but the arrow hits the fence, sinks into the fence, and he walks up to it and he paints a bullseye around the arrow. And Lucy comes along and she watches him and, and she's like, Charlie Brown, what are you doing? That's not the way you shoot an arrow. And he goes, I never miss. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what a lot of us do in our life. We, we never take time to consider God's purpose for our life. And, and so we're just pulling back the bow and we shoot in one direction and we go, hey, that must be it. And we put a target around it and we go, man, I, I hit a bullseye. See, I'm afraid that most of us are going to get to the end of our days. We're going to look back on our life. We're going to go, did we really do anything significant? Did we make a difference with our lives? Last week, your homework was essentially to write your obituary. Uh, I put these questions to you to think about this last week. And so if you weren't here, um, these are your questions. The thing that was most important to me was what? People say I stood for what? I made a difference in the world by blank. God was glorified because I what? People knew I loved them because I did this. And the reason I expect God to say, well done, good and faithful servant, is blank. See, I hope you understand and I hope you embrace that God has a cause a purpose, a revelation, a vision for your life that's bigger and better than anything you could ever imagine. And our calling as followers of Christ is to align ourselves with God's purpose for our life. When, when you begin to guide your decisions, both big and small, based on God's cause zone, you wake up every morning with purpose and with passion. You go through your day, and every day you shout out, I was made for this. Is that your daily existence? Is that the reality of yesterday and today, and will it be the reality tomorrow? You see, here's the big idea uh, for my message this morning. What you cherish at your core is what you aim at with your life. What you cherish at your core, what you hold most dear and most near, most important in your life, is what you aim at. Jesus put it this way in Matthew six twenty one. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what we're talking about is we're talking about your core values. What drives you? What motivates you? What is it that, that at the core of who you are, you would never trade, you would never sacrifice, you would, you would live and die for these values in your life? Uh, Matthew 13, Jesus teaches a parable. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Picture this guy. He's, he's a merchant. This, I mean, this, this is his entire existence is to find the best and most beautiful and, and most priceless pearls in the history of the world. 
He travels all over the world looking for the best of the best. And he's in this city one day. And he's walking down the, the, the marketplace. And a guy says, Psst, come here. And he kind of pulls him behind his little shop. And he says, I, I got the pearl that you've been looking for. He said, no other pearl in the history of the world is as beautiful as this. And the merchant, he's heard this a million times before. He's like, all right, whatever. So I'll be the judge of that. I know what I'm looking for. And the guy slowly unwraps the cloth. And there before the pearl merchant is the most beautiful, priceless pearl he's ever seen in his career. And he, he quickly covers it up. He tells the, the guy, he says, don't tell anybody else about this. And he goes home and he liquidates all of his assets, sells everything he has, and he comes back and buys that one pearl because he has to own that pearl. Our core values are a lot like that. Our core values are what we rearrange our life around. It's where we redirect our energies, our time, our passion. It's, it'll help you make decisions in life when you know what your core values are. Uh, Roy Disney, the brother of Walt, put it this way. It's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. As you're going through life and you come into a certain situation, a circumstance, and you're faced with a decision, and, and if you can boil it down to my values, I value this, and so as a result, I will go this direction. If you know your values, your values will direct where you go in your life. Jesus was one day in Capernaum, and he was staying with uh, his, his friend Peter and uh, at his mother-in-law's house. And uh, he, he's been teaching in the synagogue. He's been healing people all day long. They've been bringing the sick and, and everybody to his house. And he's just, I mean, he's just plain exhausted. And so he goes to bed, and the next morning, you read this in Mark chapter 1. And the next morning, he gets up very early in the morning. He needs some time to just be with his father. And he, he goes, he, he goes into a solitary place, and he, he kneels down and he prays to God. And the disciples wake up, and, and they realize, where did Jesus go? We've lost Jesus. And, and the crowd is already at the house, and they're, they're wanting to see Jesus. They need more people healed. And so they go out, and they find him out in this solitary place, and they say, Jesus, come on, we've got, we got to go. And, and think about it. Jesus has the capacity to heal all of these people. He has the capacity to take away every sickness, every illness, every infirmity. He has the capacity to bring the dead back to life. And he says to his followers, you know what? I know there's great need here. This isn't why I've come. I've come to preach about the kingdom of God. And he says, let's pack up our stuff and go to another town where I can preach. He says, I know there's a need. But his core values directed where he went in that situation because he knew his primary purpose, his primary cause was to teach about the coming kingdom of God. So what are your core values? What's most important in your life? What will you never stop pursuing? What will you rearrange your life for? I've discovered since becoming a dad that one of my core values is being an involved father. Um, I grew up in a home, it was a good home, um, but my dad, and I just learned this uh, like two years ago, Christmas, I had a conversation with my dad at a, a Denny's in Effingham, Illinois. We were going through men's fraternity here at the church, and one of the things we talked about was all of these different wounds that we have as men. And uh, I knew that I had this absent father wound, and, and I, just, I, I didn't know why. I just had this sense that my whole childhood, my dad was just kind of gone. And I remember road trips were, were my favorite memories of my dad because it was just me and him for hours on end together in the car. And, and so I sat down with my dad two Christmases ago. 
And I, I'm telling him about men's frat and all this stuff we're learning. And I was like, why do I have this wound? I'm like, what, what was going on? I'm like, I know you were on the road, you know, with the business and all that. But I mean, were you really gone that much? And he said, Chris, from the time you were nine until you were 13, he said, I lived with your grandmother in Indianapolis and I ran the business out of um, your grandmother's home. Monday through Friday, I came home on Friday night. I was basically home Saturday and Sunday for four years of your life. In my childhood, I didn't remember that. I didn't, I didn't remember that's why, my, why I had this absent wound or absent father wound from my dad. So ever since I've had kids, I'm like, I want to be there. Not that my dad was a bad dad. He did the best he could. You know, I'm not holding him to blame for this. But because of that, because of, of that past experience, because of the value of, of being involved with my kids, I am way involved with my kids. I mean, I spend a lot of time with my kids. Um, I, I take them out on dates once a week. Uh, we spend time at home just together. In fact, I'm, I'm slowing down my life because too much of my time and energy is being poured out into other people and not enough into my wife and kids. And so we're, we're having these nights where we just do nothing at home. And they're great. I love them. We're trying to figure out how to be a family, you know, there. And, and I remember when I went to Israel last year, I came back and I was in this, this funk. And it lasted about three weeks. And I, I, I didn't know why. I was just, there was something that was significant that happened over there. And, and I didn't see it happening here. And I was really kind of angry at God for that. And like, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I remember we were driving home from a, a baseball game. Ethan had been playing baseball, and, and I'm driving home. I've got the radio off, and I'm just kind of talking to God. And God suddenly broke through my own thoughts. And he said, you know, Chris, he said, I can have anybody else I want to to be a pastor at Great Oaks. And I went, wow, that's a great way to start a conversation. <laughs> Thanks for taking away my purpose. And he said, you know, I can have anybody I want to be a scout leader to those boys. And I said, Chris, I can have anybody I want to uh, to be the chairman of the board of directors that you sit on. He said, I can have anybody do almost anything that you do except one thing. He said, I don't want anybody else to be Karen's husband or to be the father of Ethan and Morgan. And that just overwhelmed me. So now as a result, one of the things that, that God is kind of directing me towards, and I'm still feeling this out, but I'm considering starting a nonprofit organization all to get dads and children together, to create experiences where, where they can have, maybe it's a one-time experience, maybe it's a weekend experience, but where dads invest in their kids and the kids can have time, one-on-one time with their dads in the chaos of life and just slow down and be with each other. I, I found an interesting um, verse in the Old Testament, the very last verse of the Old Testament, before 400 years of silence, God says, I'm going to send my prophet, and here's how you'll know that I'm speaking again to the world. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And so as a result of this value in my life of being involved with my own kids and, and not having that with my own dad, I'm now hoping to begin to steer other men towards that. It's redirecting my time, redirecting my energies, my passions. And so I'm beginning to make room in my life for God to direct me based on this value. So what's your value? What is it that you're allowing God to do in you, to direct you? What drives you? Uh, see, we all have biblical values. Um, we, we all, as followers of Christ, are to have these values in our lives of honesty and love and forgiveness and grace and, and mercy. I'm not talking about those values. Those values are, are ones that are shared across the board. 
If you don't know what the biblical values are that you're to be living by, uh, read Proverbs, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, read the book of James. You'll discover that there are these universal biblical principles that we're called to live by. But I'm not talking today about those biblical values. I'm talking about your personal values. Maybe values that you alone have that nobody else in the world may have as a value. How do you discover what those values are? Well, I think there's, there's three questions. And this is uh, kind of your homework, and I'll talk a little bit more about your homework here in a moment. Uh, but question number one, what really angers me? What angers me? And I'm not talking about what annoys you. I'm not talking about what drives you crazy, um, like the people that wait until the last second to merge into traffic. Like I've been sitting in line. I don't understand why you're flying past me to buzz up there and get ahead of me. It's driving me crazy. And I'm not talking about the drop-off zone at the school. Whew. That one still gets me. <clears throat> like I've been doing this now for three or four years here in Germantown Hills. And I'm like, do you really have to get Johnny and Susie out yourself Give them a pat on the back and hug them and pat them and send them towards the door and then go back to your car. Don't you understand? There's a dozen cars waiting to drop their kids off, do the exact same thing behind you. Move it, lady! I'm not talking about that. Might need to schedule some time with Bill later. Talk about that one. I'm talking about, I'm talking about righteous anger. What is it that, that makes you mad on behalf of God? What is it that breaks your heart that also breaks the heart of God? See, Jesus got mad a few times. Uh, some of the values that he had, he valued the sanctity of worship. He comes into the temple one day, and, and there's the money changers and the, the people that were selling the, the, uh, the, the animals for the sacrifices. And, and, and what, what's the dynamic there is people that were traveling from far away to worship God um, oftentimes couldn't bring their own animals. So they would come, and they would have actually foreign currency sometimes, and they would have to convert their money. We did this in Honduras. We, we convert from U.S. dollars to, to Lemp and uh, Lempira. Is that what it was? I forget what it's called. Lempira. And uh, so people are coming into the temple, and, and these money changers are taking advantage of the people that are, that are changing money, and they're charging exorbitant prices. And, and the people that were selling the animals, you were supposed to bring the best of the best animal without blemish to be sacrificed to God. And they were selling animals that were kind of second and third rate uh, for these people. And so Jesus comes in, and he sees all of this. And, and not only that, but they're inside the temple courts where the Gentiles, people that weren't Jewish, uh, that was the only place they could go. That was as far as they could get in. And he comes in, and it's this, it's, he calls it a den of thieves. And so he, he just gets really, really angry on behalf of God. And, I mean, he's flipping tables. He goes in the corner, and he makes a whip. And if you've ever braided rope, it's not a, a quick thing. I mean, he's sitting down in the corner going, oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're not over. The, no, no. And, he, and the disciples were like, whoa, whoa, what's Jesus doing? What's going on? And he cracks the whip over the heads of the people. And he overthrows the table. He, he valued the sanctity of worship. He, he valued um, integrity. Who were the people that Jesus reserved his harshest words for? It was oftentimes the Pharisees, religious leaders, because he knew they were hypocrites. He knew that they weren't living out what they were telling others to live out. And so he saved some of his harshest words uh, for them. What stirs righteous anger in you? What gets you mad on behalf of God? What injustice do you see in the world? And you go, I can't take that anymore. I've got a movie scene here for you. And I want you to watch this scene. And, and, and I'm going to ask you, 
what was the value that this person had that stirred righteous anger inside of him? Watch this. Good morning, coaches. How are you? Good morning. It's good, Dayton. Just wanted to let you know what the offense is doing. An awful skinny playbook, ain't it? I run six plays, split beers like Novocaine. Just give it time, always works. See you on the bus. Be patient, Dale. Your time will come. Go. I'm going to help you, boys. I'm Gary Bertier. The only All-American you've got on this team. You want any of us to play for you? You reserve half the open positions for Hammond players. Half the offense, half the special teams. We don't need any of your people on defense. We're already set. Uh-huh. Don't need none of my people. Mm-hmm. What you say your name was uh, Jerry? Gary. No, you must have said Jerry, not Lewis, which would make you Dean Martin. Huh? Ladies and gentlemen, got an announcement to make. We got Jerry Lewis... And Dean Martin going to camp with us here this year. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. Let's give him a round of applause. Where's your folks? Gary. Parents, are they here? Where are they? That's my mother. That's your mama? Mm-hmm. Very nice, I want you. Take a good look at her. Because once you get on that bus, you ain't got no mama no more. You got your brothers on the team. And you got your daddy. Now, you know who your daddy is, don't you? Gary, if you want to play on this football team, you answer me when I ask you, who is your daddy? Who's your daddy, Gary? Who's your daddy? You. Uh-huh. And whose team is this? Is this your team? Or is this your daddy's team? Yours. Mm-hmm. Get on the bus. Put your jacket on first. And get on the bus. Uh, Dean? <clears throat> Fix that tie, son. Listen up, listen up. I want everybody off the bus. Let's go. Follow me. Everybody. Let's go right now. All right. Everybody off the bus. Listen up. I don't care if you're black, green, blue, white, or orange. I want all of my defensive players on this side. All players going out for offense over here. Right now. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. You and you. Offensive bus, sit together. You and you. Defensive bus, sit together. Get comfortable, too. Because the person that I have you sitting next to is the same one that you'll be rooming with for the duration of this camp. So what was the core value of Coach Boone? How would you define it? Equality. There's a second one, I think, as well, and that's respect for authority as well. Two things that Coach Boone would never, never give up on. It was a hill he'd die on. It was respect for authority and racial equality. And if you know the story, remember the Titans. It's a legacy that he left there for a number of seasons. Love that movie. One of my favorite. 
Question number two. What kind of relationship or activity brings you deep feelings of meaning and fulfillment? What is it that, that if you could do anything, money, talent, time was no object, you were guaranteed a success, what would you love to do? And maybe you love helping people, then, then one of your core values is serving. Maybe you get deep sense of fulfillment when guilty people get what's coming to them, then your core value is justice. If, on the other hand, you value, you get a deep sense of fulfillment when they don't get what they deserve, your core value is mercy. If you love working in a group versus working alone, maybe you value teamwork. What is it that you do that gives you a deep sense of accomplishment and purpose? And question three, and this is one that honestly came to me this morning as I was preparing, so I I modified the message for this one. Um, And it's one that smacked me in the face hard. Question three, what values do you notice lacking in other people? Think about that question. Because as you go through your life and, and, and people irritate you for one reason or another, it's probably because that's a value of yours. If you hate fake people and dishonest people, then honesty and authenticity is a value for you. If it drives you crazy uh, when, when people just don't seem to care about those who are hurting, then compassion is probably a value of yours. If egotistical people drive you up the wall and bonkers, then probably humility is a value of yours. It's a, it's a strange way of determining your values. But what values do you notice lacking in other people? Answering that question will probably tell you what your values are, what you hold most dear. So what do you treasure? What do you stand for? What would you fight for? What's so important that you'll let go of everything else in order to grasp it? See, God has placed these core values deep in your heart. They're there for a purpose. They're there to help you aim at the right target for your life. And Proverbs, I'll close with this, 21.1, says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. Begin to dial in with what God wants you to do based on your core values. Uh, we're going to add some things to that in the coming weeks. So this is just one of three components. Remember the three circles um, where those three circles kind of intersect, our core values, our spiritual gifts, and our experiences. Where those three things intersect is where you'll begin to discover your cause God's purpose for your life. Here's your homework. This is available out at the Welcome Center where you pick up the CDs right after service. And I want everybody to grab one of these. This is your homework for this week. It's got a list of a number of core values, possible core values on here, plus room to write your own. So take some time and just prayerfully consider. Answer these three questions I've given you. And begin to circle as many of these values that you think you possess. And then on the back, there's instructions on how to begin to narrow that down. And you're going to fill in this circle, uh, this first of three circles, with your core values. And then again, in a few weeks, Bill's going to take all three of these circles and bring them together and show you your cause zone. Um, so would you do that this week? I got several emails this past week. Band, you can go ahead and come on out. I got several emails this past week from people going, hey, what were those questions again? Um, what was that? And I really appreciated that because it means that, that you guys are responding to what we're doing here, that you're taking it seriously. Uh, we, don't, we don't put all this time and effort into this just to hear ourselves speak. We do it because God has put it on our hearts to help you uh, discover the life God has for you. And so please accept our challenge this week and uh, tackle that homework. So as the band comes out, let me pray uh, for us this morning. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.